It's the Tiltcast episode 516, Stompy Robot Talk. And this week, guys, we talk a lot of Battletech and MechWarrior 5, Cult of the Lamb, The Survivalist, and Hard West 2. Stay tuned. Nerds. Ah, uh, that was probably poorly timed. It's the Tiltcast, and we're back. Um, it's an M-rated show. I'm Nas. I'm Jason. And I'm remote. And between the two of us, you're going to get about 30 minutes of bullshit. Bullshit. Some games to news. It's uh, 88 degrees, 721 p.m. on August 12th, 2022. That way we can date this for later. Um, We're back. I just got off work a little we while are. ago. I think you did as well, right? Uh, I've been off work this week, so... My normal job, yes. My other work, yeah, I pretty much just finished it. Oh, you've been off all week? Yeah. Uh, well, I went into the office on Monday because Mondays generally have too much crap for me to have to worry about doing. Um, but since Monday, I've not been in the office. So. Are you wearing an Avengers speed suit? Yeah, my kids uh, thought it was hilarious around Christmas. They got me a, it's like a, like the material that the swim tops are made out of, uh, but it is in the uh, style of the uh, time armor that the Avengers wore in Endgame. Yes. Well, look at you. My kids love me. Too bad this is audio only. Um, <laughs> I know, right? Did you have any fun on this week off that you put in hard work, long-earned vacation I on? Did, I mean, I Sunday, Monday, and kind of Tuesday evening, I got some uh, time in Battletech. Um, yes, I went back to that. I was feeling the Pokemon itch. Um, I actually decided this time, uh, after so many different runs in Rogue Tech and Battletech, uh, Advanced 20, 3025 to, uh, go in or 3052, whatever it's called, um, to go back and remove all the mods and just go with the vanilla experience, because I don't think I actually did that since Heavy Metal came out. I think um, Battletech, Seven Days to Die, and Deep Rock Galactic as a crew may be the most played games that we have. Uh, yeah, because I mean, I've got you got hundreds of hours into Battletech, aren't don't you? Yeah. But I've also got a little over a hundred hours and seven days to die, and um, uh, I've got close to a hundred hours in Deep Rock, and you and Rusty have well over a hundred hours in all three. Yeah, I've just you said BattleTech, and I I don't fault you because that's a really good game. That's it, I have four hundred and fifty eight hours on record. 
It is. Uh, the only thing is I'm so used to. So here's the one thing. And don't take this as a slight because it's not for all of you out there listening. Um, uh, because I am thoroughly enjoying it the way that it is for this reason. After playing the mods, Battletech Advanced and Rogue Tech, going back to vanilla, even with the heavy metal introduction and the way that they, uh, uh, the way that they edited some of the hit chances, etc. I am still it going through the vanilla campaign again. It's almost like playing on God King mode. I feel like I can't fuck up. Because you've um, played it so much. I am decimating everything. And it's kind of really fun. Um, um, mostly because uh, uh, got to play through the campaign again with a with a save character that's still fairly boss like most of its um all of its experience points are spent out etc so uh and even just having that one character because my hit chances are so high on that one character all i need is a couple of ac5s or you know a couple of ppcs and i pretty much can wreck whatever i want have you tried um, the Mech Warrior FPS? I have. I've played a good. Uh, uh, well, I played all the way through the campaign on that. Because um, if you remember, right when I got Game Pass, I downloaded that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure um, it's still on Game Pass. That's what I was asking. It is. Uh, Mech Warrior Five Mercenaries is still up there. Uh, it, I it's not as get, it's not as good. I don't get the amount of enjoyment out of it. Um, it's also a game that doesn't lend itself to pausing mid map that the other does. Uh, and that's true. And that's you know that's a lot of my gameplay shit. Um, it also doesn't lend itself to um listening to a to a podcast uh uh while playing it which is what i do most of the time to unwind so um in my adult life right now at least until my kids are a couple of years older my youngest kids um being able to sit and just concentrate on a shooter period um, can be kind of difficult sometimes, especially a shooter that you do have to pay such close attention to, you know, um, that is far more um, strategic and the random, some of the random generation makes, makes it so you absolutely have to pay close attention or or your mission objectives can get wrecked real quick um versus like uh going going and uh uh playing halo or 
uh, Call of Duty where, you know, even if, even if a kid, I need to step away for the kids, even mid match, I can just drop out of the match and, um, and go, or I can set up in a hole and go prone, you know, <laughs> while I run away for two, three minutes and maybe I hopefully only die once, but the entire experience isn't wrecked by it. If you quit playing attention in Mech Warrior 5, especially in uh, uh, in higher missions or in the online, you can you can get yourself wrecked extremely hard. Yeah, I I haven't played it in a while, but that game, there's nothing really out there like it, quite like it in the same way where you're cobbling together different mechs to have your own unique statistics, your own unique builds, etc. There's just I mean Mech Warrior Online's close. This is like Mech Mech Warrior 5 is more like Mech Warrior Online Plus. Um Well, Mech Warrior Online's not a turn-based game and neither is Mech Warrior. So like the the turn-based part of that is kind of where it's really you switch. You switched back on to Battletech on me. And oh, I I'm... did make the connection. Yeah, Metal Tech, Battletech is a completely different experience. Um, just being able to truly cobble together shit. Um, uh, and most of the time, putting what parts from different mechs onto your mech, uh, you're not beholden to certain weapon types, etc. There's there's a whole lot more individual mech customization freedom in this versus Mech Warrior Five, and that's where I think Mech no. Warrior Five loses some of its magic for me too. No, you'd be surprised. Mech Warrior Five, especially after they did some of the additional um, the additional DLC, there's a lot of really really custom stuff you can do with your heat sinks. You can there's a lot of there's actually a lot more mechs in Mech Warrior Five than there is in BattleTech. Um, like well, there's probably see, five variants. Part... There's probably like five variants to a hunchback. You got the AC twenty, the AC ten. You've got hunchbacks in that that have like all missile spots and like two small laser spots. Like you can yes. actually make a hunchback really good in Mech Warrior Five. Um, the, early that, to mid game. That's where part of my my gameplay experience fault is is playing the. Game Pass version, you do not get the DLCs. No, you got to buy it. But the yeah. there's still a fair amount of free LC that they added to it as well with the uh, different variants. But like some of the slower mechs that you might like, or some of the mechs that are better in BattleTech are not quite as good in Me Mech Warrior, like the Highlander. Even though it has a Gauss cannon or has the ability to have a Gauss cannon, it's not quite as good as it is in BattleTech. But like I said, which like a, which is apocryphal and a shame because the Highlander was like the ultimate sniper mech. But you can make some really crazy builds, like I said, with a like the Grasshopper in BattleTech is good, right? In Mech Warrior, the Grasshopper is a big heat. Um, essentially, it's a laser boat that overheats. After like two or three shots or two or three like big salvos, and then you just kind of have to 
hold well, off for a while. Whereas no, you're you're talk you're talking there a difference in game mechanics. So it is much easier in BattleTech to manage the heat of those uh, core um, heat managing mechs like the like the Grasshopper or the Jenner or the Awesome. Um, those uh those energy based mechs with a lot of jump jets. It is a whole lot easier in a turn based game to manage that heat and playing your strategy versus playing them in Mech Warrior Five where you're actively trying to run a run a in the case of a grasshopper, run around a map in a mech that is essentially made of paper. Yeah, the the shadow uh, dodging, dodging fire and trying to manage your heat and return fire is much harder. So it's it's just a question of game mechanics. What's what's the one that starts with a K? the missile boat that overheats. The SRM um, boat, King Crab. Now, well, the King Crab is actually fairly good in in Mac Warrior Five as well. Okay. Um. um I, I'm just trying to think. K name Max. Kentaro. Kentaro, yeah. Kentaro, yeah, after it, you get the good heat, heat sinks on it, and Mech Warrior Five is is ridiculous. Just because it's well, a medium weight mech that completely destroys everything in a few bursts. Like if there's a light mech, it's like you basically just. Fire every you know, alpha strike twice and a light mech is toast. Or you alpha strike once and happen to crit something, crit its ammo, and then you just automatically erase stuff. But things in yeah. that game that are better than Battletech, though, are some of the light mechs are really good. Well, I guess fire starters are good in the other one too, but a fire starter can be loaded with like seven small lasers. <coughs> That's my dog. <coughs> um and it can completely backstab the shit out of things. Um, I don't know. There's pros and cons to both games, but I'll agree. Battletech had a had a better story and better motivation with it than MechWarrior did, even though MechWarrior is fairly good if you're into mech shit. Oh, yeah. No, MechWarrior 5 is still um, still a great game. I'm not, I'm not shitting on the game at all. It just doesn't... It really doesn't scratch quite the same itch, aside from the building yeah. and tuning. Yeah, it doesn't, and some and of the things mechanic-wise with some of the mechs, I um, their style choices. Um, you know, you brought up the Kentaro. The Kentaro equally in both games is shit unless you can put double heat sinks on it. Um, once you put double heat sinks on that mech, it's it's baller in both games. Um. But it's just a, it, it's a question of if, if I want to play a shooter, um, I generally don't think of Mech Warrior 5 first. Um, if I want to play Stompy Robots, um, and have all of the Battlefield strategy, Battletech, um, does that better for me. I just, I mean, there is something to say for 
driving a mech in Mech Warrior that is satisfying. And I feel like I would be much more satisfied if that could be a VR experience uh, with a twin joystick. I would like that would be like, oh, oh, oh. Yeah, I, was, I don't know if that, I recommend that'd it. That'd probably be an instant pants chiser, but um, uh, just keyboard and mouse driving Mac. I, uh, I just didn't. It's a good game. I just didn't find it as satisfying as BattleTech. Fair enough. And now the awkward pause because he's not sure if I'm done talking or not because of audio delay. That is correct. <laughs> I was trying to find, there was a name of a VR game that I was looking for as soon as he said that, that I've played, but I don't know if I can recommend just based oh, on. you tell. Hold on. I got to go to my library. Filter games. I don't remember what it's called. And it was not something I've played recently, but remind me when we get to the breaks. It's going to take me, for whatever reason, everything is locking up on my phone. We're going to have to restart. Okay, back to that. the only thing I can see in your recent plays are Call to the Land, Nightmare Reaper, and the Survivalists. Which I can talk about all three of those. Um, and honestly, I've talked enough about Nightmare Reaper. I'm at a spot where I'm having a little bit of difficulty progressing because I'm not good enough at the game. Um, it's not an easy game. There's no difficulty slider. It's just kind of in fuck you mode the whole time. Um, but even in this spot, what happens is you end up, um, getting little bits of money that helps you with unlocks and the unlocks help you out. So like I'm working my way towards essentially more starting ammo. I want to say I tried one level 20 times before I finally beat it. Um, and I haven't unlocked near enough stuff in that game. Like there's just so much to that game. I'll probably get another 20 or 30 hours out of it. But uh, survivalist is decent. Um, I got it on the survival sale for $6. I originally refunded it because I couldn't figure out. The monkeys used to be harder. So the survivalist is a survival game where you use monkeys for labor. God, that sounds horrible. So you're, what you do is you find a monkey, you put him in teach mode, and then you teach him to do whatever you're doing, and they level up. And you're essentially getting lots of supplies and you have lots of fetch quests and you have a hunger um, meter and a, and a health meter. So you're managing those two things while you're building a base and unlocking new technologies, etc. Um, it's decent. It's just not great. It has good art. It has good, um, fairly good controls. It has decent combat. It's just, it's extraordinarily grindy, more than what I'm comfortable with. It kind of has a little bit of a don't starve template, but it's easier than don't starve. 
Um, and also, you can only save when you sleep, which I don't like that. I wish you could kind of just save, even if you couldn't go back and reload a save, right? But just save, you know, mid-mission so that you could stop doing what you're doing instead of going all the way back to your base or and going to your bed and going to sleep. But it's got this, like, six, like, maybe 32-bit art style. Like, it's top-down 2D, but it's really well done. The art in it is actually very good. Um, but you're on an island, and you're crafting a bunch of, like, things to catch food and th weapons and tools and things like that to do these fetch quests. Like, I'm... I'm Right now, I'm working on making a bunch of food for a guy so that I can unlock more recipes. I'm working on finding a bunch of crystals for a guy so that I can unlock a new trinket, which helps me with some of my stats. Um, and all the while, I'm giving, I'm like trying to fully automate my base with a whole shitload of monkeys. And my monkeys, like you basically, so back it up. I'll explain how this works. Um, all right, so I have a crafting branch for the recipe. and what I do is I get the recipe fired up and then I put my monkey in teach mode and go into a chest and grab one of the items and put it on the bench. Now that monkey is in search and distribute mode. He's going to go around to any recipe that's open on any workbench and start supplying the recipe for my chest around the area, which that's pretty cool. Um, after he gets good at it, you can carry multiple items and sometimes whole stacks of items and sometimes more items than you can put in your in inventory. Then what I'll do is I'll go and I'll start crafting for a second while another monkey's in teach mode. And now that monkey's in crafting mode. And any blueprint I have active right now, as long as he has a crafting tool, he will craft it. But he has to have the ingredients, which is why I've got the other monkey in, in ingredient mode. By default, they're in protect and attack mode. So you can gather all your monkeys up, put them in attack mode, and then go on a raid and kill a bunch of, like, animals or... Um, monsters or whatever on these islands or dudes that are like trying to trying to kill you or whatever right so though so you throw them a weapon right now they're in attack mode and you got a army of monkeys with clubs um that help you attack and defend and then of course they level up the more things they kill it's just it's a bit grindy i would say if i was going to give it a scale of one to five in true tilt cast fashion probably not quite a 3.9, not quite a four. I guess if it was a Metacritic game, it'd be like a 78. Gotcha. Which ain't bad, just not great. But decent time passer, um, decent podcast game. It did wear my hands out a little bit to the point where I wanted to play with a controller, and I don't like the controller controls as much as I like the uh, keyboard and mouse controls. There's a lot to keep under control. A lot of inventory management is just faster with, uh, I think it's faster with the keyboard and mouse. Um, but the game that I've been like really sinking my teeth in, so basically just not sleeping last night and playing all the way up until podcast time. Um, been playing Cult of the Lamb that just released yesterday. And even though we were recording on Friday, uh, I managed to get 13 hours in. So lack of sleep. Um, it's pretty good. It's it's a weird game. It's a really weird game. There's not a lot. Yeah. It's not 
wholly original. It's just a combination of a lot of genres. So here's how the game loop goes. Um, you're sacrificed to the devil or one of the old gods, like, a, you know, like a Lovecraftian devil. And gotcha. one of the uh, old gods raises you back to life and says, start a cult in my name and I'll grant you power. And then uh, let's eventually kill all these other old gods off. So you immediately start off, not even five minutes in the game, killing the people that just sacrificed you because you come back to life. Um, and then you work your way. It kind of gives you a basics of the mechanics. Um, it's kind of a bullet hell in places. So what it does, you've got a dodge button. You've got a magic button, basically. And you've got a melee button. And the initial level is laid out the same every single time because I've played the initial one twice. I played the demo before I played it just to see if I would like it, which I'm glad they have a demo. That kind of solidified it for me. Basically, you, you play the demo as long as you don't die. Once you die, you're done in the demo. That's just how it works. Um, so anyways, the, the loop is, is after you do does that, it takes you back to an area and you start your cult. And you get... After you get your first follower, um, he starts doing work around your camp. And initially around your camp, you have a whole bunch of resource or a decent amount of resources. You have some mines and some rock, uh, some rocks and some uh, trees for him to cut down and some berry bushes for him to gather food. You plop down a, a workstation for a camp, so to cook food. And he's got to eat. Otherwise, he's going to starve. And the loop is, is you're keeping your followers happy so that they can worship you. When they worship you, they, you gain faith that you're idle. You go and you draw that faith out, and that unlocks more buildings. Then you go preach a sermon to them, and that gives you faith for your battle unlocks, whether it be your magic or your melee abilities or your health, etc. And so what you're doing is you're going through the loop of crafting the right things to keep your followers happy. They give you little quests and things like that that affect their happiness. And then you go out into the world to basically fight in a bullet hell in between all of that. And in that bullet hell is a map that's kind of like Slay the Spire. So there's different themes to each one. You've got it branching paths, and those branching paths might be um, an area with a lot of food or an area with a lot of resources like wood or stone or bones or whatever. Or it could just be a fight or it could be a random encounter where you run into an NPC that has a very special situation for you. Or it could be a follower. Follower fights are weird. Like some of them, you run into a dude that's selling, that has him basically set up in a way that he's cooking this NPC. And if you purchase him from him so he doesn't eat him, um, then you get a follower, and of course that follower is indebted to you, so now he's your servant. Um, sometimes you'll see a guy that's about to be sacrificed. You save him, he becomes one of your cultists. And then those guys go back to your camp, and then you can set them to do different things. So like I have a whole farm right now that I have guys tending. I have guys that are dedicated to just straight worshiping. I have guys that are dedicated to refining materials. Like I have a whole like industry in my camp now. I have guys that make me money. Um, I have guys that clean up the poop on the map because the guys eat stuff and then they poop. Um, I have guys that are uh, 
dedicated for sacrifice. Um, I can sacrifice guys in a in a sacrificial pit, so I can sacrifice my followers, and there's a couple different things I can do with that. One of the things I can do is get a shitload of resources for my um, level ups, or can sacrifice them and turn them into a demon, and I have like a follower that goes with me into my next run um, to help wreak havoc. It could be stuff like getting me extra magic, etc. Um, there's a lot of little random variables there, but that's the core loop. There's a whole bunch of little mini games though that are around that. Like there's this whole game called Knuckle Bones, which is a weird dice game um, that I've gotten pretty good at. There's a whole fishing mini game so that I can fish and get new fish. Um, I'm running quests for a guy gathering mushrooms to help me build additional abilities on my character. Um, there's just a lot of little stuff to it. I'm always unlocking something, and it's that whole kind of like almost don't starve part where I'm feeding my followers and making sure they've got a good camp, they have good beds, and I'm repairing shit. And then I'm going out into the world and fighting and getting resources and progressing the story in these randomly generated maps, um, and then eventually fighting mini-bosses and bosses and every one of those guys gives me additional resources. Now, if I lose on a map, my followers lose faith. If somebody dies in the camp, my followers lose faith. If I get a heretic in the camp, my followers lose faith. And that loss of faith means that I'll lose followers in general. And you can I almost got myself in a fail state where I'd lost so many of them because I was failing to do quests for them, and of course that was giving me negative faith because I wasn't following through, and I was dying in my missions, which was removing faith as well. And then eventually I got a heretic, and then he was talking shit behind my back, and I was trying to re-educate him. Sounds very dystopian. Um, so I threw yeah. him in jail, and then I would re-educate him daily before I went out on my runs. And then um, eventually... I got a ritual that helped freeze my faith state for a little bit while I could get everything back on track. And then I got my whole camp back on track. Um, nice. Yeah, your followers will come up with really weird quests. Like one of them was like, I really want to eat a bowl of poop. So I made a bowl of shit for a guy so he could eat shit, literally. Um, I've got a unlocked a doctrine, which is one of the things that you unlocked. It's like a random variable for your cult that lets my guys eat grass with no negative effects. So now I'm always getting grass from all the shit that I'm like destroying out in the world. I've got like 500 grass right now and it only takes like 10 grass to make a meal. So I go and feed my guys grass most of the time. Um, and then I sell my food. So I have a grass eating cult, um, for whatever reason, um, that honors their elders. I've been really kind of like nice guy cult. I should have made it a little bit more evil. Like there's a way I could have unlocked cannibalism and then paired that with sacrifice increases the face of it, faith of everybody else. Right now I've got ascendance increases faith by a great deal, which means I lose a character, but I send a guy to heaven basically instead of sacrificing him. I like spiritually ascend him to heaven from earth. I basically rapture him and then it gives me a shitload of faith. Um, Damn. It's a weird game, man. Art style's rocking. Music's good. It has this weird old god sound. There's no actual language. It's all text. 
but the creatures make this weird guttural noise and they talk that's pretty creepy. Game's kind of fucked up looking, but in a great way. Very, the art style is what reminds me. It's a the art style is a mix between Isaac and Don't Starve. Um, I mean, it's the art style is excellent. That they didn't just try to make a clone of Binding of Isaac with a different story. Like I was telling you and Rusty in our private thread, like it's not really. So it's a rogue light in that the tile set and the things that happen in the world are random. Um, it is a bullet hell, and like Isaac's a slow bullet hell too, right? But that's basically where the similarities end. Everything else is it's just a combination of kind of like a survival game, kind of like a city or a settlement management game, and a bullet hell beat 'em up is kind of what I would call it. Like it's a really good merger of all of those things. And it's fairly difficult. Um I'm playing on the normal setting and the second I literally did probably my 20th attempt on the second boss. So I think there's five total big bosses in the world. And I just finished my second boss off about 45 minutes before we started the show. Um I just kept losing and I had to really like think about it and I'd memorized his pattern so well that I realized that I need to quit being so greedy and just make it a long fight. Like I was just going in there and trying to just like DPS the boss down and I realized the second boss really only has these small attack windows and I need to quit getting something that's a fast attack, high DPS weapon um, and just focus on getting a big hit, one hit weapon that I can get in there, get my big hit, and then move around and avoid everything, and then get back in there. And then once I did that, um, I was able to finally beat it. And I got in there with almost no health um, by the time I got to the boss, and I just played careful as hell. It took me probably almost 10 minutes to beat the second boss, which anybody in here that's really good at bullet hells say, ah, oh, you suck. Well, I kind of do suck at this game. But um, I'm really good at the settlement management because I figured that shit out early and i'm kind of worried right now because i've just beat the second boss and i know i've got three to go and i think i've unlocked three-fourths of all the buildings and i've unlocked three-fourths of all the technology so maybe i just over leveled myself to a place where i could be better at the game i don't know but so far it's pretty solid um i don't know Four four, that's where I'm at right now. We'll see if that changes after I beat it. Nice, nice. I mean, four four is not bad. I mean, four four is hella good, dude. That's like an eighty eight Metacritic. Four, yeah, four four is a four four is a great score. So, I like I said, I'm just relieved to hear it's not just a clone. No, you're just thinking um, it's a clone because it has the weird, like, kind of satanic art style that Isaac did. And in that way, it art, the art very much mimics Isaac in a lot of ways there. But it's just, it's just Isaac-inspired art. But there's a lot of similarities to Don't Starve, like, even more than you'd think um, than there is Isaac, honestly. Good. Um, nice. Yeah, Cult of the Lamb was 100% worth it. I don't think the Cultist pack... I, like I said, I played the demo, liked it a lot, and then went ahead and spent the extra five bucks for the Cultist pack, and that adds like 
seven variants to the cultists you can get. So like when you recruit a cultist, they got positive and negative traits, and then they got like a form that they have, right? A weird animal creature thing. Right. And I got to a point where I didn't really care that much because they die so often. So I just kind of let them be whatever their default self is, and then eventually, uh, you know, they die. And I move on. I was going to start naming them because it is the cult of the tilt cast right now. Um, and then I realized that my cultists don't last more than a week before they're they're dead. Um, yeah, that'd be kind of tough. Yeah, it'd be like Jason the Fourth, <laughs> Jason the Tenth. I've like I've got a band of about ten cultists right now, and I'm I've probably had about fifty. Um, basically every time I come back, somebody's dying from a old age. Um, in my in my roster there, so. It's uh, and I've got a whole like, like house, like apartment complex essentially for my little cultist at this point. But yeah, there's a lot of like, just weird randomness to this game. Um, so like when you get in a level, I've got a a variable right now that I unlocked that picks tarot cards for me. And the tarot cards are the random variables for the level. So, let's say ten percent of my kills are going to net me temporary health. Um, maybe I, uh, maybe every time that I do damage, I do poison damage as well. Um, maybe I move, maybe 20% of the time I'll actually completely avoid getting hit, um, when something lands on me or so when I like called diseased heart. So when I do get struck, everybody takes a hit on the whole screen. Um, it does these little dioramas that are not that big that force you to really move and commit to attacks. The, for as simple as it is, all the weapons have like a combo system of sorts with their button mashiness, but you don't necessarily want to get through a full cycle of combos. Like, you'll figure out some enemies, I got a second to dive in and hit and then dive back out. And for that reason alone, I actually prefer the weapons that do a single hit that takes a second versus like the battle axe is my favorite weapon right now, which I know is not everybody's. But for me, it is because I can roll in hit the battle axe and probably knock something down to half health, roll back out, roll back in, get my other hit off, and then back out. Um, like, my favorite one's called the variance, a necromantic battle axe. When I kill something, their skull comes out of their body, and then it attacks the nearest enemy and hits them as hard as my battle axe would hit them for. So, nice. it's a really cool thing. But, uh, yeah. Cult of the Lamb? Um... I think I found out about that like a month ago. Maybe just a hair more. It's a, it's a surprise. I like it. I really do like it. It's the kind of surprise that we needed that only Devolver Digital could deliver, right? Well, yeah, they Devolver Digital is like 50% games I'm not interested in at all. And 50% unique ideas in games that I really enjoy. Like, there's a lot of Devolver games that are, end up being on games that I just really, really enjoy. Um, I think they're right about Enter the Gungeon, though. I don't think I'm ever going to beat that game. That game's hard as fuck. Um, I like it in a lot of ways. It is really hard. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, nice. Well... 
I mean, reason I didn't play anything more than Battletech for the most part is really just because I haven't had time. I've been replacing walls on my shed because... You took vacation to just do housework? More like I took vacation and then all of the plans for stuff we were going to do out of town fell through. I think you need to spend the rest so, of this weekend like fucking around as much as possible. Well, like we're going to be out at the lake all day tomorrow. Um, that is the one okay, well, that's plans good. that didn't fall through. Um, we're going with uh, uh, Crystal's family and her brother's got boat, so we'll go tubing and crap like that. And okay. then uh, I, you're and then hopefully Sunday's all video games, so. I need some good time in front of my computer. Yeah, I don't. Did I talk about Hard West Two last last time? No, I didn't because we took a week no, off. Because we took a week off. Oh yeah, we'll talk about that in a second too. I guess we'll talk about that in the news section. Um. So here's why we we had we had our duo birthday since Rusty's in Michigan, and this week he is getting sloshed with his family. Um. And maybe the week or two after that, we'll have a Rusty back among the living, we hope. Yep. Um, Hopefully. He's supposed to have good internet here pretty soon. But, so we invited kind of a, I don't know, a medium-sized group to the thing. I made about 50 enchiladas, a whole bunch of fucking beans. Um, friend Vanessa brought us a 4037 cake. <laughs> yeah it was Three uh was backwards yeah it was great yeah it had my 40th birthday and jason's 37th birthday so we had chocolate cake um yeah our 40 37 Which cake was, was actually great. really good she did a really good job on that she used lots of butter which is the way you should be making a cake um but yeah we had our 40 37 cake which was fun and then um we ended up, let's see, who did we have? I guess nobody knows these people, but we had a decent amount of close-knit people that were with us for the party, which was really fun. Um, trying to find the picture of our 4037 cake. I may just send this to you. It's pretty funny. Um, All right. The, uh, we got an appropriate amount of beer. I got an appropriate amount of drunk. Um, I was I was eight beers in, and I was feeling pretty good, but I was also, uh, uh, I'll admit, between the beer and the heat, even being in the pool, I was starting to get a headache by the time Crystal and I left. I wasn't, yeah, because we had her and John Portis, those stupid shots, or John just... He just filled the shot glasses up. They weren't even shots. And we had, I don't even know what that yeah. was. It it was. Clear rum? It it was called rum, but it tasted more like Everclear. Yeah, we got a. <laughs> Vanessa brought us rum in a squeeze bottle. <laughs> <laughs> it smelled well, kind of like gasoline. I mean, she She had a good <laughs> excuse for it. At least she didn't pay for it. Right, that's like, just kind of funny, but 
Yeah, so her and John from Picking Up the Pixels were over here, and John just like filled these shot glasses to the point they were just dripping all over the floor. And we had those, and then we had I got spot and you brought spot and like I probably had like eight or nine spotins. Don't have a whole lot yeah. left. I've got didn't realize I bought too much beer. I bought beer like I would have when I was thirty. So I had like thirty six beers, and there's no way I was going to get through all that. So I still have about out of those thirty six beers, I have about fifteen left. Oh, I'll have to help you with all those down over the next few weeks or something. Yeah, or we'll find another excuse. But the, uh, but yeah, we just it was really fun. We just sat in the pool and it was nice to just float, soak and drink. Yep, and listen to some music outside and have everybody there. That pool was disgusting the next day. Um, I shocked the ever living bejesus out of it. Um, oh yeah, I mean you have to. After well, there's that like two or three spilled in beers it. in there. <laughs> Really? There was only the one by the time I left. Yeah. So there were like, there was like one or two more that got spilled after that, huh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's going to fuck with the pool's chemistry completely. Yeah, uh, I couldn't see the bottom. That, that That's a lot of uh, uh, yeast and other contaminants going in that pool water. <laughs> but yeah, the uh, so we did that. That week, I ended up making some, I call them dinosaur ribs, is what the meat man called them. So there's a, a meat place over where Perry's used to be off Sheridan um, called The Feed Lot that I got some ribs. So I wanted beef ribs. He said he had some beef ribs in the back, and he comes and brings them out. And they're not short ribs. They're long ribs. So these ribs are like six inches long, and there's like three of them, but they have like five inches of meat on top of them. It's like four steaks worth of meat. Um, nice. so I smoked the shit out of those. Those came out delicious. Um, then I made tamales that week, which holy cow. Um, and then all those enchiladas and then I ate enchiladas for my mom who made me a shitload of enchiladas. And now I have frozen enchiladas still in the freezer, just waiting for the next opportunity to eat enchiladas. So I've got plenty of food left over that's frozen. Um, but yeah, that was why we didn't record. We, Birthday week. It was my my fortieth birthday. Um, it didn't feel that much different, honestly. And then last week I ended up getting some it, new glasses. So it's just a number, man. But um, it, if anything makes you feel older, it's the worsening eye prescription. My eye prescription is pretty crazy. I'm six steps away in my left eye from not being able to wear these things. It's crazy, but um. Yeah, I have a really good ophthalmologist who's been my ophthalmologist. Well, I've known her since she was in school. I'm I'm really big on, like, loyalty to people that I know that have a profession, especially if it's something I can utilize. So, you know, Vanessa cuts my hair. This gal does my eyes, right? Before Vanessa was cutting my hair, I had the same person, Zoe the Human, cut my hair for, like, 10 years. So, just, you know keep that brand loyalty to people that you know um but that said um that week i ended up picking up hard west 2 just kind of like an xcom style wild west supernatural turn-based game though it's more 
there's some controversy on is it a puzzle game or is it a tactical shooter? It's it's both. Um, here's what you do. You have three action points. You can use those for movement or shooting. Usually your shots take two action points, so usually you can move and shoot. Different structures provide you a certain amount of cover, right? So if you're behind a half cover, it's like, I don't know, 50% protection or percentage, right? And then if you're behind full cover, it's like 75% protection or something like that. Or maybe it's 90. I don't know. Anyways, it's a crazy amount. But a lot of your guns can ricochet shots. And so you can line a shot up with something that's glowy and then shoot at that and then aim the sight of that at the thing that you're trying to hit. Usually at a reduced chance, hit it with a ricochet shot. And then if you miss shots or you get shot at, um, you get luck. And you can save that luck up to increase your chances of getting a hit. You get all of your action points refunded if you wipe, if you kill an enemy. So there's a lot of like using area of effect abilities to whittle a group of enemies down. And then using a character that can take them out in like one hit to mop out the entire rest of the crew or kill one guy, move up and around, kill another guy, move up around. Like I've had chains that are as long as like eight or nine turns with single characters and they'll really stack enemies up. Some of the enemies are like extremely powerful. And so some of the strategies are isolate the one enemy away from the pack, deal with the pack, then deal with the really strong enemy um, because the pack will overwhelm you. Um, some of the abilities are pretty crazy. So one of the abilities is just a swap ability. So your character can swap like person swap with anybody in its line of sight. Um, you can use it on your characters as well. It reduces your health by one every time you do it, but, um, you can use that to get a guy up in a really good shooting position to where he's above everybody else so that you can get a height advantage. When you're up high, you get like an extra 25 or 50% chance to hit depending on how many levels higher you are than the other character. Like to a point where you get a ridiculous amount of hit percentage just by being in a a uh, raised position. But I'm pretty far through that game, like almost done with that game. So I've got that game's probably got about four or five hours left, maybe. I feel like I'm in the final chapter. So I think I'll probably have that beat by next week, maybe by tomorrow, honestly. And then I'll probably have Wrath of the Lamb beat by next week, honestly, too. Um, but Hard West 2, probably four and a quarter is where I'm at right now. Um, the annoying things about the game is sometimes I feel like you have to just completely restart an area because you haven't quite figured out all the mechanics or it just continues to get harder and harder and harder. It's a very hard game. And... I saw something that said play it on the hard difficulty, so I did. It's definitely hard. Um, it takes a certain amount of really thinking about your moves before you do it. Um, yeah. If it ever comes out on Game Pass, you'd probably like it, but it's it's not easy. Um, you, you'll feel like a badass for the first few hours because it really kind of hands you some fights. And then you get your first real curveball, the first real boss. Um, a couple hours in. And then after that, it just, every fight's a question of, am I strong enough to do this or do I need to get a better weapon or 
redo my abilities. The abilities are done in a really weird way. So you do poker hands, right? So like a straight flush might unlock a lot of your abilities and you get these cards, like playing cards, randomly throughout the world. So might be a three of a kind that's you this ability and these passive effects, etc. right? Maybe I hit one point of damage harder with pistols and I need to have a um, a full house in order to do that. And so you can rearrange your decks however you want, even in between characters before you go into a mission. So you can kind of rebuild your characters any way that you want, but it's all based on the hands that you have in your hand as to what's unlocked and how effective somebody is. You also have like loyalty bonuses between your characters. So the more loyal they are to you based on the decisions you made in the game, um, the better passive effects and buffs that they have. Um, but all in all, um, art style's done really well. Um, there's it's fully voice acted for like half the game. The other half is reading. Um, but it has, it's just a weird supernatural take on Wild West universe. It's kind of a weird, I don't know. It's kind of like XCOM in the Wild West with a story and no randomization really at all. Um, everything is completely linear in this game. Aside from the paths that you choose and the decisions you make. So, nice. Hard West 2 is pretty good. But, I think we ought to take a break. What do you think? I mean, sounds good to me. Alright guys, we'll be back. And we're back. Guess I'm back. I said, woo! Must have cut out. Um, we were looking at news, and there's no news, so we're just going to end the show. I'm just kidding. There's not a lot of news. <laughs> there's not a lot of news, but we did find a few things. Um, like it was, uh, there was an article in Reuters uh, last week that, uh, Tencent is apparently um, reaching out to uh, the Gilmont Corp, uh, which is the currently the shareholding company that owns the majority of shares in Ubisoft, about buying more shares off of them. Apparently, Tencent's trying to trying to move into more of a decision-making shareholding spot uh, with Ubisoft, which I don't know if that's a good thing or not. Um, I mean, Tencent has had a... Um, it's not that they've got a completely bad record, um, but there are some things uh, with, not a mobile, with Chinese mobile games that have been uh, certainly shady. Um, They've not uh, and not necessarily done anything in negative with their American holdings, like I'm Epic not a big games and uh, and Riot Games, but not a big fan of Tencent. Yeah, I'm not either. I actively go out of my way to try to not support Tencent if I can help it. But sometimes I'm, I'm buying a game I'm, on Epic or something like that, and I think Tencent's got a forty percent shareholding of Epic right now. 
Uh, I'm just not for uh, seeing Tencent trying to push more games into the pay-to-win um, that all of their multi-game holdings do. I'm just not a big fan of it. Uh, so, hopefully the current majority shareholders don't sell more stock to Tencent, but we'll see what happens. Um one of the things that I saw that kind of made me sad is uh, Marvel's Midnight Suns, which is a Jake Solomon game famously known for the XCOM reboots, XCOM 1 and 2. And uh, the really crappy one that came out was like 2.5, the character-driven XCOM game, which is trash. Um, is Midnight Suns has had, held my interest. It was due to be released on October 7th, but it got delayed. The original story didn't have a date, and right now they're saying for current-gen consoles right now, which probably would include the PC release, we're looking at very end of the year, possibly. So, which is a really bad time to release games, honestly, um, right around Christmas time. I don't know why, but they don't get in, they don't end up making it into the game of the year discussions often because people don't have enough time to play them. Uh, I feel like if you want a game to get into any kind of discussion for awards and accolades, the cutoff for that is like the second week in November that you can release something. And then after that, there's just, it ain't going to get into any list. Like January is also a bad time to release games for any kind of notoriety because people tend to forget about it towards the end of the year. And those additional accolades also help boost sales of games. So I kind of feel like, the sweet spot is before November and after March, like March on forward is usually about when you, I don't know, I guess playing video games for a long time. It's basically what March through May, you get a ton of releases. And then September, October, November is basically where you get the next batch of big releases. And then it's this kind of dead anywhere in between, which is why, this show has focused so much on indie games because we do play a lot. Um, hence, all three of the games that I'm playing are all indie games. Yep. Um, in other news, right, Games was uh, kind of forced to shut down the competitive queue in Valorant uh, due to a bug. Uh, this bug in involved uh, players being able to d to disable flash effects. Uh, through the game settings. I imagine that's probably in there more for uh, uh, sensory issues, things like that. Well, this completely blocked uh, some players and, uh, and abilities from working in, in online play at all, both uh, for uh, enemies and allies. Um and being able to disable during an active match instead of in queue so that the queue matches up based on your settings. Um, so they have, uh, they have shut it down while they work on patching the problem, uh, which I imagine something that big is probably uh, uh, hopefully not going to take them too long to fix. I mean, Valorant's a... Valorant's a decent game, and I know there are plenty of people playing it online, so uh, hopefully that gets addressed quickly and it's back up and running, but definitely uh, 
definitely a big bug if you can change a vital setting like that mid-game and disable people's abilities. That's pretty harsh. So, on to some other actual good news, though. Um, Tactics Ogre Reborn, or which is basically Let Us Cling Together, from used to be on PSP, which I actually still have an original copy in that closet, um, is being remade for PS5 as well as PC and hits Steam November 11th. Um, it doesn't look, it looks like it's just an upgrade to it with some better graphics, faster battles, auto saves, better UI, better overhaul control systems, fully voice cutscenes, and re-recorded music. So it's basically a remake. Um, it's basically Final Fantasy Tactics. It's just better. Um, I'll just let that lie because I know some people think that's fucking blasphemy. I like Final Fantasy Tactics. I like Tactics Ogre better. Better. Uh, essentially, biggest thing with Tactics Ogre over Final Fantasy is the way that you can use the time wheel or whatever it is. Basically, you can roll back time to a mission that you did before and make a different decision so you can unlock different characters and then add them to your final roster. So you can go back and use the wheel of time to go back to different decisions so that you can have a single master playthrough, essentially. It lets you recorrect recorrect mistakes, and that's something that Final Fantasy Tactics never did. They are very similar games. I just think it edges out tactics. Um, Ogre Battles is good. It's one of my favorite games of all time. Yeah, and I mean, they're in a lot of ways, Tactics Ogre and Final Fantasy Tactics, for those of you who uh, uh, who want to these are elder uh, millennial games one above the other i mean they're basically the the same game just with some just with some different elements i feel like uh uh when it came to when it came to overall gameplay strategy etc tactics ogre was being the first one um had a lot more mechanics to explore. Um, it, lot more I don't. I don't think it came out to utilize. I don't think it. So Ogre Battle came out before Final Fantasy Tactics. It was That's a what slight, I'm saying. Yeah, Tactics Ogre came out first. Yeah. No, the so it goes Ogre Battle, March of the Back Black Queen. Then it goes Ogre Battle Tactics on Nintendo 64, which I think released pretty close to the same time as Final Fantasy Tactics, if not right after. And then Let yeah. Us Cling Together um, released. It was like the last PSP game that released about 12 or 13 years ago. Let so, Us Cling Together actually came out in 95 and Tech. No, it came Final out in 2010. Tactics came out in 98. Pretty sure it came out in 2010. We're going to find out. Ogre Battle. Because video game series. Here we go. I don't want to get this wrong, but I've been playing it off and on forever. Like, okay, so video games. Mar Ogre Battle, March of the Black Queen came out in 93. It's a, it's a very different game. That being the, that being the first one. And, and Tactics Ogre Let Us Cling Together came out in 95. No, it did. 
that they redid. Must have. Okay, that's what right. Is, what does Cling Together got re-released in 2010 for the PSP? That's right. But they redid it again, so this, I guess, is the second remake. Yes, it is. Um, so it may have technically... Did, and they redid that one and re-released it in 2010 after the success that was Final Fantasy Tactics War of the Lions, which really was just Tactics um, re-released on the PS3. Okay, so it is actually before Final Fantasy Tactics. That came out in 87. Yes. Yeah, that's what I was telling you, dude. Yeah, but, the, but the ports to PSP, it was reversed. Yeah, Tactics so... Tactics got released on PSP with War of the Lions in a, 07, and then Tactics Ogre in 2010. I didn't have a PlayStation 2 till I was well in college, and so there was also... I ended up playing a lot of games on Emulator, on a yeah. Bleem. So I played March of the Black Queen on Bleem, which you have to be kind of old to remember. It was basically a CD-ROM that was an emulator. It was somehow legal, but you downloaded ROMs off the internet, which I would get off fucking stuff like Kazaa and stuff like that. And I ended up playing March of the Black Queen through Bleem. That's how I discovered it. And then I ended up playing Final Fan or uh, Tactics Ogre um, through Bleem as well, as well as Final Fantasy Tactics. So I kind of played all three games at the same time in the early 2000s. So I don't have original history in the 90s playing it because yeah, I didn't have a console that played either of those. But I did play Final why. Fantasy, or I did play Tactics Ogre on Nintendo 64 on an original 64, which is my first entry into the Tactics genre. Gotcha. Yeah, I... I remember explicitly because uh, I played March of the Black Queen on Super Nintendo. It didn't come out on uh, Super Nintendo, which did was, it? Which is where it originally came out. No, it originally came out on PlayStation. No, it originally came out on Super Nintendo. Man, I feel like I just don't know anything anymore. <laughs> and then um, uh, Let Us Cling Together released on uh sega saturn and playstation and i was super pissed because in the u.s that was the releases it only released on the super nintendo uh in japan yeah you're right yeah i played a lot of this stuff on emulator so that's why my memory is all mixed up on this yeah so i've yeah, I remember being really bummed, and the fact that Final, the Final Fantasy series, including Tactics, moved to PlayStation in those mid-90s, and I didn't have a PlayStation really kind of yeah, screwed I, I, me up. So I ended up not actually getting to play those until uh, the early uh, early 2000s. Yeah, it's been a minute. I'd absolutely play all of these games again. Yeah, I mean, that was kind of my natural progression. Um, I played a, a Link to the Past like, when I was like 9 or 10. Um, and then immediately followed that up with Ogre Battle. 
March of the Black Queen. Um, those are, in my in my opinion, when it comes to uh, when it comes to non Mario games, two of the best games on on the su- Super Nintendo you could have played. Um, just super great. I was going to say, I played a lot of Super Mario RPG because I'm a weirdo. I mean, I did too. It was... It was... Super Mario RPG, if you can get past the fact that it's... It's Mario Campy, is actually a really great RPG. I remember liking it back then, but, you know, it's been a while. Um, it, it's got all of the all of the mechanics and systems you expect out of an RPG. And, um, you know, if, if you like Mario stories, it, it was a pretty good Mario story. Like it's not, um, it's not a bad game. I feel like a lot of people shat on it because it was Mario themed. Mostly. It was a game Um, that I could pick up. So (laughs) that was a tactics game, which is why I played it. Um, and 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 ogre battle tactics ogre and final fantasy tactics were much better rpgs um zelda was a much better rpg um but i mean it was still mario rpg is still a good good rpg game like Seriously, if you never gave it a try, between emulation and all of the different, uh, if you can manage to find a physical copy of Mario RPG, it's really hard uh, to find a working copy. But if you can find one, um, and you can get one of the uh, retro consoles that you can buy at most uh, uh, most game shops or on Amazon. Um, cause of course you can get, um, the Super Famicom clone consoles now. Yeah, that's uh, true. Uh, give it a try, man. It's not a bad game at all. But I am looking forward to the remake of Tactics Ogre. That's, um, and apparently it's not just like, uh, um, remaking the same game line for line. Apparently there's some new stuff going in, a few new things going into it this time. What's that? Supposedly, according to the rumors, I've not actually seen it. Let's look behind me and there's the dog with a blanket just walking by. Apparently she's excited. Um, I apologize. So things that are coming out this month, uh, we've got Saints Row coming out in a couple weeks and Destroy All Humans 2 Reprobed coming out in a couple of weeks. That might be pretty good. We don't know yet. Um, I'm being cautious I mean, about it. Destroy All Humans is great. Kind It's just great mindless fun. I'm just looking to see if that comes out on Game Pass or not. 
Um, something I didn't see on here that's coming out that's out right now is Axiom Verge 2 is out. And I'm actually very curious about that. Ooh, I didn't even know they were making another one. Yeah, it literally just released. Um, like yesterday. Where do I show in a mixed review? That's not bueno. Axiom Verge was good. Now it's it was on Epic, I think, and then it just got delayed. Ah. Yeah, let's see. This might be a two that's not as good, just like Salt and Sanctuary two is not a, Salt and Sacrifice is not as good as Salt and Sanctuary. Ugh. Kind of sucks. Well, yeah, it does. I guess we'll see. Um, yeah, Saints Row comes out on the twenty third, and then uh, if you like Shimagami Tensei, um, there's a spinoff called Soul Hackers Two that comes out on the twenty sixth on PC, PS four, five, Xbox One, and Series S. Um. I'm interested to see, to say the least. I know picking up Pixels John is probably very interested. And then Destroy All Humans 2 comes out on August 30th, which is a couple weeks away. Um, if you haven't played it, I've almost finished it, but I just fell off at the very end. Uh, Inscription comes out on PS4 and PS5 on August 30th. I can't figure out the last puzzle to get past it, so that's why I'm stuck. It's a pretty cool game, though. Probably if I were to rate it now that I've played a fair amount of it, I'd say it's a 4 out of 5. With some of the craziest things I've seen in a game so far. Nice. Um, I should have rated it way back then. There's not a lot else. Did you have anything else that you saw? Not really, but I really want to bring up on the show. So. Yeah, we saw some rumor stuff that we kind of vetoed before. There's plenty of rumor stuff on about Game Pass that we won't completely bring up, but feel free to look up. Because it's not confirmed and it doesn't look... It, it kind of looks fake. So, um, that being said, Jason, where can you find us? Find us at TiltCast.com. Find us on Facebook and Twitter.com slash TiltCast. Our YouTube channels, YouTube.com slash The Real TiltCast. Search for us on iTunes and Spotify. Subscribe. Find some friends of the show. you got Cabbage, KBG. You've got NoQuarters.net. For the love of gaming, BMFCast.com and TVGP.TV. They do fantastic things and also play strategy games. And with that, it's the end of the show. Peace.